0: Hey everyone, it's Jamie Jill Wright at Mad Lit Musings, and today we have my good friend Kimberly Woodhouse joining us. Hey girl.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: Wow, I sounded really Valley girl. I'm like, hey girl. (laughs) I don't talk like that normally. (laughs) But for people who are just tuning in because we just started recording, we've already been talking for like the last 40 minutes, so Kim and I are well into a conversation already. (laughs)
1: And we're not done. We are not. No, done. we're not.
0: <laughs> no. We're just inviting you all into our conversation now. So um, Kim, I think most people know who you are, but just in case they don't, tell us a little bit about you and what you write and what book we're talking about
1: today. oh Yay. Um, okay. So my name is Kimberly Woodhouse. Um, I have been married for 30 years. Mm. Astounding since I'm only 30 years old. No, I'm just kidding. Wow, oh, that's impressive. Yeah. I have two amazing kids who are married and one grandbaby who is oh, it's so cute. He is so cute. Oh my it's goodness. So, so I got the cutest text from my daughter the other day because they had been here for a few weeks. And um, when they went home, he was going door to door in their house looking for Nana. So that just, you know, <gasps> oh, that's the, <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. He's a know. keeper. So I've been published, I don't know, 13, 14 years now. Um, Book 30 releases in January, and I've written up through, I think, book 33, maybe. Oh, woman, you make me tired. Somebody just asked the other day, so uh, my assistant counted them up, which was great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this next book is The Gem of Truth, which is book two in my Secrets of the Canyon series. It's from Bethany House. Mm -hmm. and they are historical fiction, but they're very—I call them historical suspense. There's quite a bit of suspense, a yeah. little mystery, you know, in each of the books. And I write historical, and I write contemporary suspense as well. So yeah. you're just dabbling it all. I haven't you done any speculative.
0: It's coming, isn't it? It's coming. I can I feel it know. on the
1: horizon. <laughs> man I have friends who are like really good at that and I'm like oh I don't know if my brain could come up with anything that but I'm a huge Tolkien fan I was gonna say
0: you're a Tolkien fan though so it's it's under the surface there but (laughs) we'll let we'll let you finish out these other genres for a while and take a few years and then you can dip your toes in speculative okay (laughs) Who who knows Oh, fun. Okay, so A Gem of Truth, book two, Secrets of the Canyon. We are talking the big canyon, the one that- Yes,
1: the grand canyon. I swore
0: I was going to fall off and die in when I saw it. I've learned that the grand canyon kind of sucks you in.
1: Like you stand Uh at the top and you feel your body going. It's weird. It is weird. It's amazing though. It's so cool. And my parents have never been. So this last trip when I went back, and was doing more research, you know, specifically for this series um, that was last year, or the year before, and I was FaceTiming my parents because they're older and I wanted them to be able to see it. Yeah. So from the different viewpoints, you know, I'm FaceTiming them. And then we got to the uh, watchtower, which is, mm-hmm. you know, 30 miles on the east side of the road. And, and we were way up in there and my mom, were FaceTiming and there's all these people around, you know, cause there's a lot of people at the Canyon and my mom goes, don't fall in, you know, and she was very serious. <laughs> About this, and there were two guys standing next to me. And he goes, "I guess you never stop being a mom." Like, yep. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not, you know, a kid anymore. But I just thought it was really cute. My mom, she, from her viewpoint on the phone, don't fall in.
0: It but, looks like you're going to. My I husband guess. was like, "We should take the kids to the Grand Canyon." I'm like, "Let's not. They need to go by themselves when I am not okay. around. My my heart is not healthy enough for that." <laughs>
1: Very true. My kids went with me when they were teenagers, I think in 2008. And they were just getting the biggest kick out of me because I was walking around talking to all the Rangers and asking questions like, you know, how many people die in the Canyon (laughs) every year? And they're looking at me like, what? Come to find out there's a book. I have it on my shelf behind me. Um, I think it's called Death in the Grand Canyon. There's a whole book written on. Nice. Yeah. So so I shouldn't say nice.
0: That's awful of me to say. You nice. Would enjoy
1: that that book. <laughs> my favorite
0: piece of my favorite piece of Grand Canyon trivia, which I would assume you know this, but maybe you don't. I might not. Is one of the most famous serial killers hiked the entire Grand Canyon down and back out with his family. Are you familiar with that? Yes. The BTK killer. <laughs> which is fun? It's not funny, but you know American slang. We use that term. So right. what's funny about it, which means what's ironic about it, right. is there was a gap in his. I can't. I'm still going to laugh. There's a gap in his murders, and they couldn't figure out why. Well, he was in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> they tied back to some of this gaps in his in his time log of murders, and it was when he was in the Grand Canyon hiking. I'm like, wow. Oh, my word. So. All That's the things crazy. you learn on the podcast with Jamie Jo Wright and Kimberly Wardhouse. This is Mad Lit Musings, <laughs> as you've never seen it before. When we say we're going to dive deep. <laughs> there is so much pun intent behind that with this episode. It's not even funny.
1: It is a mile deep, by the way. It
0: is. I know. Is OK, so scary. what made you pick? the Grand Canyon, and what's, you know, like a quick synopsis of the book?
1: Actually, I think it's pretty cool about this one, because this is the second book in a series, and yet this is the one that I think was my favorite idea when I was there in 2008, when I first came up with it, because there's, I don't know if you remember this when you went, but there's a historical um, sign, you know, the placards, and it Mm -hmm. talked about The modern day, you know, finding of the Grand Canyon, which was in 1540 when the Spanish came through. Well, this huge Spanish expedition, they'd been gone for like six months and they were looking for the cities of gold. And so the head of the expedition sent a smaller troop, you know, to the west. And these guys literally stumble upon the Grand Canyon. And it's kind of funny because the Hopi people who lived in the Grand Canyon you know, were very nice to them and gave them food and did all kinds of stuff for them, but they were just convincing him, oh, you know, there's nothing here for you. Yeah, there's there's not really anything interesting here. You know, the cities mm-hmm. of gold wouldn't be here. Um, <clears throat> and when they, you know, made it all the way down to the river, they found out that, you know, it was not navigable for their ships and it really wasn't, you know, it's a desert, right? And there's right. this huge, gorgeous canyon in the middle of it. Well, wow. So this troop leaves. So that's what sparked... I made my own legend from 1540 to go Uh along with the true history. And that's what's in the book. And it has a treasure in it that's from 1540. And and a legend that goes along with it because that's where my brain went when I first saw that. I was like, ooh, you know, how can I have a story that ties back to right, these guys in 1540. So the book takes place in 1907 at the El Tavar, which is a historic hotel that sits on the rim of the canyon. It's still there. It is beautiful. It has the most amazing food in the dining room, but it was a Harvey establishment when it was first built. So it was called the crown jewel of the Harvey empire. And so it had the Harvey girls. So the book has the Harvey girls in it, it has the hotel, it has the treasure, it has the train, You know all of those cool things. And then there's lots of fun little mystery that goes along with it
0: that sounds so cool I love it I love it I love unique locations that we don't often see in fiction and I can't think of any other books anywhere that have the Grand Canyon in it with the exception of the um biography of the BTK killer
1: (laughs) which of course you've read which of course I've read so (laughs) because that's Jamie's reading material um (laughs) I don't, you know, I haven't read any other fiction that's, that's there either. And the people at, were just so gracious and generous to me. And they're like, oh, we have to carry it in the bookstores. And, oh, we have to have this. We can't wait to read it. And they were very helpful. You know, I met one guy who'd worked at the hotel since before I was born. And that's oh, wow. a long time.
0: We're so, dipping back into ancient times. No, sorry. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> I can say that because Kim, I think, I think I'm older than you.
1: Am I older than you? I don't know. I'll be 50 next year. Oh,
0: you got a few years on me. Yeah. Just three. Just three years. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. So we have Julia and we have Christopher, which are your main Mm -hmm. characters. And I am going to assume based on the back cover copy that trust is a big part of your book. (laughs) You're very
1: smart. In fact, Julia, and this is a fun little snippet I have to share. Julia is named after my best friend from childhood, like elementary school. Okay. Oh Her name was Julie Schultz. And so Julia Schultz is named after her. And what's really cool is Julie, the real one, came to a book signing of mine in Tennessee. We were on a book tour, I don't know, five, six years ago, and we reconnected. You know, we hadn't seen each other since like fifth, sixth grade. That's awesome. And um, so she knows that the heroine's named after her. Julie, my real friend, was not a liar, but the Julia in the book. Good clarification. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's a storyteller. Um, she's had a horrific past. I don't want to give it away because you find out stuff in the book. And this is how she's dealt with it. And uh-huh. this is how she's tried to get attention. And um, she's always been searching for unconditional love. She's mm. wanted to be loved, and she's always been abandoned. And mm. so the stories have been, so she's starting a fresh start when she gets to the El Tavar, she's been challenged by a friend. She makes a vow and Chris, who is the hero is a jeweler and they obviously get connected because of the treasure, mm-hmm. but his whole thing is honesty. And so mm. it's going to come around when he finds out that Julia has been known in the past for her. Deception. Huge stories. <laughs> <laughs> and, there's a big trust factor, you know, that comes there. But also she has to learn what unconditional love is and what true unconditional love is and where it comes from.
0: Yeah. How do you think um, trust and unconditional love merge? Like when you think of those two concepts and then you put them together, how do you think they affect each other?
1: That's a really good question. You're good at this.
0: (laughs) Well, it just dawned on me because as you (laughs) You were talking about abandonment, different things like that. And, you know, I was adopted. And so abandonment issues are always a part of an adoptee's life and things like that. And as as you were talking about, like a trust and unconditional love. And I'm like, huh, because unconditional love should be something you can trust. Right. And yet people with abandonment issues don't trust very well. So then can we love unconditionally? And so anyway, I thought I'd ask you the question because I have no answers.
1: It's a brilliant question. It really (laughs) is. Um, And it plays into the story huge because I'll give this away. I mean, you find this out at the very beginning, but Julia is an orphan. Okay. And she's never had a family. Mm. She never gets one along the way. So her family becomes the Harvey girls. But because she tries to get attention, she comes up with these elaborate stories. She also doesn't want anyone knowing the truth Mm. about her past. And Mm -hmm. so she tries to cover all of that up. So trust is, I think one of the biggest things for us to have, to understand unconditional love because Mm, people who have issues, especially with a father, they have a really hard time understanding how they could have a heavenly father who loves them unconditionally because they've never actually seen it in action. So that's why I think it's so important for us as believers to love Unconditionally and truly love one another. You know, our two biggest things should be love God, love others, right? Yeah, Just absolutely, plain and simple, right there. Because how you know we have to be Jesus with skin on. Mm-hmm. That's the only way people are ever going to see um, people, especially who are hurting and who have dealt yeah. with abandonment issues and and who have gone through horrific situations. The only way they're going to accept love from God the Father mm-hmm. is from receiving it from someone else that's tangible you know here on earth they've got to see that somebody else loves them you know my husband as a pastor many years he's been saying you know, the biggest thing we have to do is meet the needs of people you know, we can't just yeah. go beating people over the head with a bible and say you must right. believe you know right. Um, right but meet them where they're at and meet their needs and show them that they're loved and then they'll go huh there's something different about you what is it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the I two think, go too- hand in hand
0: Yeah. No, that's good. And I think, you know, of course my brain always goes to society and where we are in, you know, in today's world. And I was thinking, I think sometimes now with just the way society or American culture is going, I think sometimes we confuse unconditional love with unconditional acceptance of sin. Ah, yes. And so there's like, I feel like we're entering this new phase of Christianity where we're withholding unconditional love for fear we're going to incidentally approve of something mm-hmm. that we believe God has said no to. How do you, how do
1: you address that? I'm I'm, I'm being tough today, oh, Kim. Yeah. Well, the, what the first thought that came to me was it all goes back to what you, your first question about trust and unconditional mm. love, because what we've moved into with this unconditional acceptance of whatever, right. We actually right. Have lost our trust. Yeah, we don't trust that person, and thus they're not going to trust us either because it's this unconditional acceptance, like you said, of sin. Mm -hmm. Because we just have to be okay with whatever else is happening out there, right? Whereas we are still supposed to be speaking truth, but the Bible says we have to speak truth in love, in love, right? And It's like what we were talking about before we got on Yeah, that we've lost so much. We've lost the conversation. We've lost the dialogue. We've lost, in essence, the trust. Um, If you think about it, people don't trust each other anymore. They don't trust politicians. They don't trust pastors. They don't trust what somebody says on social media. You know, they question everything. There is no trust. So how can we truly have love?
0: without Mm. it it's such a great deception really when you think about it and it robs us that lack of trust robs us of that love that we can give to people we don't agree with and even actions we don't approve of right and yet we can still have good relationships with people Mm -hmm. that there's differences with because of the unconditional love of Christ so with Chris and Julia then Mm -hmm. is it is it Chris that shows her that unconditional love and trust or am I asking for spoilers <laughs> or is it vice versa or how does that really weave its way through
1: you are asking a spoiler um but i will answer that there is someone who shows julia complete sacrificial love okay in the book okay and that's life changing mm-hmm. for her to understand it To understand the sacrifice. Yeah.
0: I think that's the other part of unconditional love too. Gosh, you're just full of golden nuggets today. I'm like, you're saying these things and I'm having these epiphany moments. I'm like, unconditional love is all about sacrifice on Mm -hmm. the part of the giver. Mm -hmm. It requires sacrifice. It requires patience. Right. Loyalty. Mm -hmm. Well, like in,
1: in marriage... Um everybody, you know, talks about well, you both have to give a hundred percent or you know, you hear all these different cliches about this, that, and the other. Right. And the thing that my husband and I tell people all the time when we do premarital counseling and or just when we're just talking about us and how we've survived. One, right, we're too stubborn to give up, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're both very, very strong willed. Um, two, it's the fact that we made the decision at the very beginning that we were always going to put the other person first. Mm-hmm. So when he's always putting me first, and when I'm always putting him first, it's absolutely amazing. And yeah. the times when we've had more issues, and you know, went tough times, financial difficulties, whatever, it's because one or the other of us have become more selfish. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's the thing we live in a selfish society now and that's kind of what we're taught. You've got to be selfish, you know, you got to think about yourself. Take care about yourself. Blah, blah, right. blah. And I'm not right. saying that you shouldn't, but it's not about loving self. It's about loving mm-hmm. the other person more. That's what true right. love, that's what unconditional love is. That's what sacrifices mm-hmm. sacrificing my wants and needs for, you know, how can I put the other person first? And I right. think if we always put the other person first, wow. You know, imagine where we would be now as a society right oh my goodness
0: well you know what let's break there
1: okay and we'll come back
0: and we'll wrap this up with some other (laughs) golden nuggets that we'll figure out on during break sure are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author you can find out more about them and other authors from baker publishing group at Bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Revel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. All right. We are back with Kimberly Woodhouse here at Madlit Musings, and we were in such a great conversation that we just about forgot to take a break. So we've taken a break, and Kim is back with great nuggets of wisdom for us. Kim, take it away. <laughs> I wish you could
1: see the expression that I'm giving her right now.
0: <laughs> take it away. <laughs> okay. So we have been talking like some super deep stuff, but let's lighten the load a little bit here. Okay. There's a master jeweler in this book, and I also find that interesting because, you know, okay, I love historical romances, but so often the guys are ranchers, right? they're (laughs) sheep herders, they're miners, they're sheriffs, they're bounty hunters, and now we have a jeweler. Yes. Because that's not normally a thing for a hero. So tell me a little bit
1: about that. And this is another fun story because... I don't remember how many years ago this was, but uh, my best friend from college, somebody from her family, they own a jewelry business and I had to have something fixed on my wedding ring. So while I was on a book tour, we go in and he's showing me the shop and everything. You know, you see all the beautiful You know what a normal jewelry shop looks like and has all the beautiful pieces on display and the glass and all that. And I was more interested in like, I want to see the workshop, you know, take me to the back. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And so when he took me to the back, it was so funny, the walls and walls of these tables and tools and everything. So I started asking and I said, well, I write historical. So what kind of tools did they use back then? And he goes, oh, we use the same tools now that they used a hundred years ago. And so my brain was like, ooh. So lots of pictures um, yeah. And got lots of information and one of my dear friends who lives in Colorado, she is an actual a master jeweler. and okay, so I picked her brain a lot. I had to have her send pictures of all of her tools with the names and tell me what everything was, so I knew what things were, and lots of research into gems and and all of that. It just it was too much fun. But I really enjoy Christopher with the fine um detail you know Mm -hmm. that he pays attention to Mm -hmm. and the story Mm -hmm. and you know what he does and how much he loves what he does you know being a jeweler and it's been passed down to him from his grandfather so it's a he's he's a really great character and um not to totally switch subjects but tracy and i have a book coming out next may yeah um it's the first book in our kalispell series and the hero is a librarian. And the heroine is the first female court stenographer in all of Montana. So
0: you know, <laughs> I love it. So I it's love a little it. bit,
1: you know, a bit of a role reversal. Yes. And what people super think fun. Now, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy having heroes that are real right. men.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And right. Do all the
1: different all the different real men things you know that they do so
0: yeah yeah i love it i love it well this book comes out in september so yeah. we are pretty much right on its release and Yay. that's super exciting if readers want to follow you and also your cohort in writing crime tracy peterson because you guys release books together how do how do how do readers find you
1: Um, Just my name, KimberlyWoodhouse.com, and it's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, but if you spell it wrong, it'll still take you to my, (laughs) I think I own all the different spellings, (laughs) (laughs) my name, Um, so people can find me, and we actually have a really cool giveaway going right now that involves jewelry that is made by my friend, who is Mm -hmm. a master jeweler, and so if you pre-order it before September 20th, you can even send in a receipt from September 20th, there's, um, on my website, I think it's KimberlyWoodhouse.com slash pre-order. So you can okay. enter the the giveaway for a beautiful piece of, of jewelry.
0: Oh, and that's awesome. And, you know, bonus on that. If anybody was listening during the break, there is a 40% off code on yeah. the ad for Baker Bookhouse for you to get yes. 40% off. So 40% off and an entry into this drawing. That's pretty
1: awesome. That's so. beautiful, beautiful handmade um, jewelry. And it's sterling silver and created cool. rubies very very pretty i'll also be in grand rapids at baker book house september 13th in case anybody uh-huh.
0: well perfect that sounds awesome thank you so much kim for being on today and letting me ask you the tough questions <laughs> thank you <laughs> and if i ever go to the grand canyon i will take you with me so you can keep me from falling over the edge i will all right sounds I good promise. <laughs> we'll talk again soon right,
1: thanks. <laughs> bye
0: Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at Madlitmentoring That's madlitmentoring or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at JamieWrightbooks.com.